0: So um, I think I'd like as as much as possible for it to be kind of th- three-way conversation between um, between the three of you. Um, so I might just um, sit back. I think it would be, you know, better for the the listener if there's not too many voices. Um, and but maybe we can just you know see how the conversation goes, and um, you know perhaps after half an hour. Um, we could yeah regroup and uh, i' have been listening, and uh, there might be uh you know points that um we could we could elaborate on at that point so but i know sarah's everyone's seen everybody else's films um sarah's uh, uh prepared a few a, f- a few thoughts and questions i think um so i met sarah um uh, with a conversation about two or three weeks ago. Um about uh we were introduced by uh, a friend who uh, runs uh, a cinema in Leeds, uh about a you know wider project that Sarah's working on. We had a, a yeah, really fascinating conversation uh which I'm sure uh, you will all have now as well. Um so <laughs> so I might uh mute myself if that's okay, and uh hand over to you, Sarah, if that's okay.
1: Um, Okay, so no pressure now, anything less than fascinating will be (laughs) bad. Um, So what Will, as Will was starting to say, I My research area is very much on subtitling, on the issues that are raised of subtitling a film, the challenges that a film brings by making meaning through many different modes and then us having to use subtitling to, to translate that whole uh, multimodal, it's what we call it, um, uh, dynamics. So what I did love both of your films, your projects, uh, and it made me I think they really meet all my questions about subtitling, the ability of translating the film, the different modes, etc. And it would be great if we could talk about that today. Um, My first immediate impression about both of your works, also probably because both of them. Um, silence a lot of the image uh, in the sense that uh, it's what you normally associate with a film having lots of movement and narrative being constructed through image, is that they call upon a lot of attention to the subtitle. So normally the idea about translation and about subtitling in particular is that it should be invisible. Um, and subtitlers have much of this saying that if you come out of the cinema talking about the subtitling, then it means it was a bad subtitling, that people would only talk if it's bad subtitling because it should be unnoticed, unvisible. And your films seem to do the opposite, seem to call all the attention uh, upon the subtitles. Can I start perhaps by asking what were your ideas? when doing this, how do you define subtitling? How do What do you think is the main role How's of subtitling um, in a film? Okay, yeah. Or in your projects in particular, of course.
2: Um, yeah, I, I guess um, my kind of initial ideas is I was thinking about this idea of um, subtitles as almost like a format in their own right, or, or a kind of material. Um, and then I started writing the, the the project around that. So I suppose there was never there was never a sort of visual to be subtitled. It was always kind of conceived that it it would be written in this way, with 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 sort of sound playing a really important element. But the only uh, sort of visual element being being the words or or a kind of translation of those words. Um, yeah, and I I mean. During the process of making it, I, I I myself was kind of questioning, you know, OK, well, how would this function, say, um, if the someone was uh, trying to watch this in a different language or, you know what I mean? And, and I, a lot of unanswered questions that I think I, I sort of generated for myself in the process of making it. But, yeah, certainly my initial uh, inspiration was I think I was, I think I was looking for a subtitle file uh, for a film, actually. Um, uh, Kyoshi Kurosawa's, uh, I think, 2015, 2016 film, Creepy. So, you know, I was typing creepy English subs, and I just thought, ah, okay, that's a really nice sort of phrase or idea. So the idea of the subtitles as a kind of, yeah, a material, a medium, um, that, that, that might have some charge kind of by themselves rather than just being um, sort of in support of or kind of an, uh, uh, an adjunct um, to the visual element. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose I, I kind of, um, I usually have a couple of ideas in mind and then I have to sort of see where the writing process takes me a little bit. So although I kind of had this idea of a sort of, um, you know, uh, a kind of dark fiction around with the around the idea of writing or transcribing. Um, um, the actual writing process is quite, yeah. It, it just kind of goes where it, it where it wants to, really. Um, yeah. So that was kind of a rambling response, but <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: that's cool. Um, do you want me to address the same uh, question? Yeah. Um. So I, I don't work like specifically with subtitles. Uh, not a subtitle artist per se, but um, I my interest I think comes out of what I was interested in was translation and How I guess how tra- subtitles function as a sort of tra- I mean, quite literally, like a translation of. The image, or the image, or translation of the um, the language, uh, the spoken language that's being used a lot of times, um, and so with the this specific piece for purple, um, I mean it's it comes out of uh, uh, um, this is the second part in in a series, and it comes out. The first part was kind of. Um, Focused on army translators u s army translators specifically thinking about the language of militarization, the language of um, the function that these translators had um, in between English and Arabic um, and I thought it could be interesting to then for this next piece to look at um, Yeah, just like um, translators who are translating the effects of that militarization in a lot of ways. Um, So uh, it's heavily inspired by Lena Munzer's text, which she wrote independently. Um, It has been a collaborator and someone who's informed my work for a number of years. And um, yeah, it just really... Uh, it, it just triggered a lot of things for me. It's a really powerful text. And um, also thinking about, um, or just having conversations with other friends who are translators, um, who work with in translation and stuff like that. I came uh, uh, across Stefan, who had been kind of thinking about this same, a lot of the same um, just on the same wavelength <laughs> that I was on basically, you know? Like a lot of times, um, serendipity, things come together in that way. Um, and he had been thinking about the role, because he'd been working as a, specifically as a subtitler for um, this, um, this anonymous uh, video collective called Abu Nadara that was working around the war in Syria. And his specific function was just to provide the, the subtitles f- um for this collective which was quite a an interesting um yeah it's a really interesting uh, role and so yeah just kind of like having conversations with with lena and stefan and then through my own research it just it felt the form kind of fit the the content that was that was happening in, in a in a number of ways and i thought it'd be the best way to kind of support um yeah support this um stories. It was
1: quite striking to me. Uh, you have seen each other's work right?
3: Yeah.
1: Um, it was quite striking to me and I thought it was fascinating um, the fact that both of you in a way more directly or indirectly first discuss the limits of translation and we do subtitling is singing as an audiovisual type of translation. So there's never a question that subtitling is translation. And both your films discuss the limits of translation and how sometimes it conspires. There's one of the characters I think in in Joe's that talks about how the subtitles conspire with the image and they work together or how sometimes they seem to go against each other. And those are the very, at the core of the challenges of, of subtitling, but when discussing those limits of translation, you both of you also seem to find creative ways of making subtitles participate in your films. For example, I some of one of you, David, takes into account uh, ita- using italics to indicate the intonation of what the characters are saying to give emphasis. Sometimes it gives information that doesn't appear in the image, like when they shrug their shoulders and we can't see what they care, but we can visualize it because it appears written. And in your case, uh, Joe, you give very much information on sounds. You discuss the the translation of sounds even when we hear the gunfire. It can either be a wedding, but it can also be translating a a wedding, a party, but it can also be translating... Um, a war that might be happening. So did this making these films make you think of the limits of translation? Were you purposefully trying to make a different use of subtitling also to make people rethink the limits of communication between cultures? Has translation helped you in that sense in a way?
3: Yeah. Uh, I can start. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, for sure. It, um. Uh, it definitely. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's definitely one of what, what I was hoping to achieve. So thank you for that reading and reading into that. Um. And like the whole piece. I mean, that is a big part of of this specific um, work. Is just thinking about and just trying to complicate and and make aware um one's own relationship to being presented with these kinds of this something that we take for granted so often basically um so to kind of try and deconstruct this and um with with my piece it's um it it happens on the screen but i also like it this was initially conceived as an installation so i'm also thinking about how you physically embody this as well. And so the way that the installation works is that you're able to kind of see your reflection on the screen and see your reflection within the subtitle. So there's another layer of seeing uh, you in the words themselves, basically, or your own image on top of these, um, what's what's happening on the screen. Um, and that's an important part of that as well, that experience is just to, to embody that and internalize what's happening and make kind of bring a, a kind of self-awareness to
2: it yeah i think um although although i wasn't um sort of specifically thinking about um uh relation, um, bet- between languages what uh one thing that really kind of occurred to me during the process of making it is obviously you know how how much uh, uh, sort of meaning and effect isn't isn't reducible to 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 the words or the 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 kind of script Um, so I kind of wanted to to sort of play with that and um, what um, yeah I suppose that thing uh, that Joe said about taking taking it for granted um, so definitely came away from it um, checking that 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 sort of privilege in relation to 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 um, accessing meaning through uh, language. And w- one thing that um, I thought uh, Joe, like your your piece, did really well, or or really kind of highlighted um, for me, uh, was the role of editing. Um, you know, and how, say, you know, a subtitle staying on screen, or a subtitle fading out, or a subtitle disappearing. Can kind of communicate meaning just as much as as as, as what's as as what's um, in the script, like kind of in an exact sense, um, and yeah, that was something I kind of real like almost sort of was realizing through the process of making it, and tried to kind of ramp ramp it up a bit, um, yeah, um, and you know um, things where sometimes there's just subtitles and there's no equivalent. Um, sound you know I, I, I kind of really like that idea you know you you start to imagine there could be a subtitled version of a film maybe the non-subtitled version is 10 minutes long the subtitled version is 2 hours long you know so it, it creates like you say Sarah it does create these um, kind of opportunities uh, yeah um,
1: yeah I agree it was uh, quite curious to me when you Joe when you had First, in the, in the beginning, you talk about silence and the role of silence and translation is all about what you translate, but also about what you, not tra- what you don't translate and the silence in between. And then later on, when you're discussing the, the Latin and Greek roots of the word purple, where you present information on the subtitle that was never said. So it's kind, you're translating that silence, something that could not be yeah. said, but perhaps can be written, can be presented.
3: Mhm. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, I really love that that um, that metaphor. That I didn't I didn't make that up. That comes from uh, Cecilia. It comes from a quote by Cecilia Vic- 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 Vicuña. Um, she talks about the translator as a person who goes into the dark, um, seeking kind of seeking the other in in yourself. Uh, that was such a, a huge. I don't know. I just really loved that that metaphor, that way, the way of thinking about it.
1: Yeah, um, David, you just said accessing meaning through language, and before you were talking about subtitling as a material, as an art, as a medium. Um, in both of your films, it seems to be always the uh, the second second plane where you were discussing the translation of what wasn't verbal. And that's very much part of what I'm uh, looking into. If we have a film where meaning comes through the combination of sound and image and discourse, everything that is verbal and nonverbal, can we assume that the subtitling of the verbal is actually translating the whole film, first question? And second, can we use one me- mode, one medium to translate another? Can we indeed reduce information that is being expressed in the images or in sound be uh, translated through written, verbal information? What do you think?
2: Um, <laughs> no, I know, I, I suppose, do you mean, um, is there? A, is, are you asking whether there's going to be some kind of loss or, or, or lack uh, kind of either side, or, or, or does there have to be? Do you know what I mean?
1: Not necessarily in the sense that that is a type of discussion about translation that happens a lot. It is to reduce the discussion on translation in terms of gains and losses. Yeah. I, I must say I'm, I'm very wary of that conversation. because I think it's too reductive. But I do think it's interesting for us to think how could we make information that is being expressed through images and sound. And both of your works, uh, especially Joe's in this case, discusses the issue that there are some sounds that that might not be readily accessible to a foreign audience, for example, or might have multiple meanings, like the gunshots that we hear that can be a wedding or war. Um, If we want to make that accessible to a different audience, either foreign or not, can we do it through verbal language alone or do we need to think of subtitling even in a more creative way? Because in a way when you have sounds and you give information on the subtitles, that's what we are doing. Um, I would like to see your perspective. Is this something that is reductive to you? Is it acceptable? Uh, do we need to be more creative thinking of these things?
2: Well. Um... it it, it was really um i found it quite kind of liberating to think about some of these things making this specific piece because there isn't an image to worry about um per se but um i I was finding you know there's there must there's a there's a great sort of wealth of of kind of meaning between just the words the text as subtitles um and i guess like a kind of audio description or a kind of synopsis of the action so that's yeah, I guess there's a couple of times in the video I tried to. Okay, well, this person is sort of saying this in cadence, or they're saying it in a in a sort of like a strange voice, or and how do you kind of get that across? And I guess um, yeah, then we start to think about like, oh, how could you design a subtitle so it 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 almost visually just communicates, you know, a, a tone or. And I don't know abruptness or or, or or whatever or whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I definitely think, and also as well, it it it, it made me think afresh about um, subtitles that I come across. I guess in you know yeah in sort of maybe mainstream context, you know, it's like um, how just how little there is beyond the dialogue. Usually, it's kind of okay. Here's some music. This is dialogue. This is two characters. We'll distinguish between that. Maybe if someone shouts, there'll be something in brackets. Um, but there's a wealth that, of stuff that you're kind of missing there. Which, yeah, I think you're right. It can't really be re- it can't really be reduced to uh, information. It's not information, is it? It's the the kind of granular uh, sort of detail content. Uh, it's content. Um, yeah. Hmm
3: i think also like you, i i like how you kind of it i don't know it made me also think about accessibility as well as what gets made um mm-hmm. some, like thinking about people with like disabilities or something like that um and how often um so many things are not accessible to them or reduced or just kind of um yeah just not taken into account in in a sense um and the way that you kind of play with that day I thought was really um yeah just really fun and really um really effective um in kind of addressing Thanks. the 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 yeah just the 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 failures or the difficulties in trying to um in in, the, in a very limited for, form this very lit- limited form I think um um, because the subtitle is is so limited and so lacking in, in so many ways. And, um,
1: yeah. yeah, you mentioned audience and accessibility and who... So I was thinking a lot about that watching both of your films um, in the sense that sometimes I, I was... Imagining that you were talking to a foreign audience, especially in your case, Joe, and it's very, you make translation very visible also because you have two languages playing always at the same time. But in David's film, then I was thinking, okay, uh, for the hard of hearing, if not necessarily for deaf people, for the hard of hearing. But then the subtitling plays a role in the film, so it's not just for the hard of hearing, it's also for the hearing audience watching the film, because the subtitling plays an extra role, it's not just there translating the verbal. I'm very interested in the possibility of having subtitling being part of the aesthetic experience, of watching a film, that the subtitling can be more than two lines at the bottom of the screen, can have movement and color, and perhaps big words, small words, uh, italics, non-italics, all sorts of things that now the digital industry allows us to, right, the digital revolution allows us, give us the tools to do. Um, do you see yourselves, what were, first of all, what was the audience that you were imagining when doing the subtitling? And do you see yourselves playing with subtitling in the future even more than you did here?
2: Um, Yeah, well, I suppose, uh, yeah, firstly, I'm kind of aware it could be more accessible. And I I think, you know, um, going forward, you know, you just try and make everything as kind of accessible as possible. But I think I was just uh, saying to Will earlier, I really had in mind that, I mean this um the aiming um sort of uh, you know summer screening event. So um I imagine people watching it on screens, um, on a plat you know, on a kind of embedded platform like Vimeo or something where people can pause, people can adjust the volume, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think we're gonna suggest on the website, you know, uh, if possible, watch it. Um, with headphones on in a dark room um but i'm i'm i mean it's like a like a lot of my work i guess it's like very um uh, writing kind of driven um so my hope is that yeah like hard of hearing would would still would would you know would still get you know get a equivalent sort of experience but um yeah so i it'd be interesting to think about it in terms of physical spaces and, but yeah, it's a nice fit. I think of kind of ideas and, um, showing context because it's kind of perfect for this, where there's an opportunity for people to see it in conjunction with other works, um, or listen to it or whatever, read some contextual information and kind of, I kind of know that they're going to be on a screen and they'll be able to pause it. So, So maybe some of the naughtier, uh, accessibility issues uh, you know it, it, you know i ad- addressed a little bit with there but yeah um. Oh, yeah. Hmm.
3: Um. yeah um what Okay. Okay. I I kind of lost my train (laughs) of (laughs) thought. Could you repeat the question, please? What what was
1: the audience that you envisaged? Were you doing this type of subtitling and giving extra information because you're thinking specifically of a hard of hearing audience? Or do you expect that the hearing audience, for example, will also engage with this subtitling and take something out of the subtitling that they wouldn't if the film uh was re- subtitling them in a more traditional standard way
3: hmm. yeah um well my like i specifically made this for an installation experience so like an audience meant to be i i didn't really think about i actually didn't think that it could really function as a screen only kind of thing right um where well, that was never my intention, it was always meant to be experienced within this specific installation um with uh with the mirrored screen and with with um just in this very kind of contemplative space sorry in this in a contemplative space um, and i'm I'm always interested in not, as not necessarily in the subtitle but in the relationship between um spoken language and text itself, and the difference between them, and how we how we understand how we understand differently, based on someone who's reading something, someone who's saying something, or us reading something on our own. Um, and so, a lot of my sound works, um, a lot of my, the work that I do with sound, I always if if it involves language, will have the text written out. Um, because it's important for me to make that accessible in different ways um, and i it's also uh, I'm very conscious of this difference in um, perception and reception um, in how we hear and read and um, internalize the different voices that are happening on the external and the internal as well so I, something I definitely am conscious of and I'm trying to play with basically mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. interesting, very interesting <laughs> um David One thing you had in your film was this um other text that appeared on screen uh you had the drip 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 and they they would pulsate in the in the in the screen and they would interact with the subtitle do you? In, and you, in the beginning, you said that you were writing the subtitling and that the rest of the project came into being around the writing of the subtitles. So, did you always envisage to present the subtitles together with this text, or would you envisage presenting the film without the subtitles and just uh, with the text? Are they interacting or. Because normally subtitling is thought as a post production issue, but you seem to not have done that.
2: No. I suppose um yeah, I I think if you take the subtitles away, um it, it would work perhaps as a sound work, but I wouldn't I wouldn't really consider it as a as a as a visual thing. Um so I guess I was thinking of um like that space that sort of visual space that's created by, you know, like a black um, rectangle with words in it. I I, I I, was kind of thinking of that as the sort of um, uh, kind of cinematic space in a way. And and they're talking, the, the, the characters are talking about this kind of cave. So I was trying to sort of allude to this, this kind of dark space. And I think early on, I, I had this idea of um, incorporating more sort of graphic, um, sort of animated elements, but it kind of really didn't work. You know, as soon as you, as soon as you introduced anything that, that gave some sort of um, spatial perspective, it kind of seemed to 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 ruin the the, the spell a little bit. Um, but yeah, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> I started and then I went somewhere else. Yeah, uh,
1: your your film I was saying that made me think of the fact that subtitling is normally a post-production issue you make the film and then someone else along the line normally without being in touch with the production team subtitles the film while you seem to have done the other way around you started with the subtitles and you don't seem to even consider presenting this piece of work without the subtitles because it grew around it Um, which leads the question about the other text that appears on screen, if they are interacting with the subtitle, if it's thought separately, how did it happen?
2: Yeah, so I, I guess I like the idea of like almost the sort of expanded subtitles. So obviously, you know, if that was reduced to, you know, like a, a sort of .srt file, you couldn't, you couldn't do all of, all of that stuff. Um but yeah, I like the I and you know, also this idea of hard subbing, you know, um putting a kind of permanent w- watermark on the visual image. I sort of I guess wanted to 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 sort of reference um that a little bit. Um but yeah, that was definitely part of the concept. And then it, it's like, okay, so um, if you do another project where is not necessarily um so kind of central as subject matter maybe continue, you know, just continue working in that way. Um where not only are the, you know, the, the the sort of moving bits of text, not only are they kind of interacting and in some cases kind of clashing with the 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 usual subtitles, but they're also um interrupting or interacting with an image. I find that kind of kind of sort of uh yeah really really interesting idea maybe to pursue in the future.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but your, both of your subtitles very much challenge the norm of subtitling in many ways. And, and I found that great because that's very much about my thinking of, about subtitling is going. That what we have as professional standard is just not enough to make the whole Uh, work of art accessible to either a hard of hearing audience or deaf audience or foreign audience and your subtitles go exactly along the same lines you challenge them by sometimes presenting them as footnotes as joe very often does presenting extra information or by playing with the fact of the different modes where you add information that would appear in the image that we can imagine but also as Presenting them as something that can be more than two lines at the bottom of the screen, and that's how I also read that other text that they are interacting with other text that can be spread in the screen and giving us because that pulsating for the drip, we could, it's like we were seeing the the drops, and the dripping happening right there on screen. Um, Were you aware that you were challenging so much of the professional norm or were you just doing what you thought was necessary to express what you wanted?
2: Um, Yeah, I didn't really know what the subtitling
1: rules were,
2: so (laughs) I didn't know that I'd broken them. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I I guess I I understood that it was was like excessive or or, or, or sort of extra um, than what I'd seen before. but it was quite interesting when I like uh, first started thinking about it I did some very very kind of cursory internet research trying to sort of find okay are there standards what are the standards for subtitles you know um, just in terms of fonts and sizing and um, amount of words and speed and all this and i you know it was very cursory research but um I couldn't really find too much of a too much of a sort of Hard and fast rules, but obviously, so much so many subtitles you see look and function, um, you know, really in really similar kind of ways. So, um, yeah, it would, yeah, I guess, kind of somewhat aware of that, but yeah, it's good to hear.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> How about you, Joe?
3: Um yeah 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 definitely I think I think that's similar to to David's situation I I didn't I didn't come from a subtitling background uh like I'm not I don't have much experience except for like just doing my own subtitles or um helping friends figure out how to do subtitles but it was all very DIY and kind of like um yeah just just kind of figuring out as we go and looking online for kind of like best practices or or kind of standardized form of uh of subtitling which surprisingly doesn't doesn't exist although so much of like video format is is standardized but it's interesting that something so essential as, as subtitling isn't really um so uniformly kind of standardized um and so yeah just kind of like thinking about what is the most um conventional way um, that would allow somebody to read into the image um, and kind of like what you were, Sarah, what you were mentioning at the beginning of how subtitling, if it functions correctly, is is not supposed to be noticed or not supposed to be intrusive in a way Um, and so thinking about what form can I create in order to achieve that and then break that as well, you know, um, to kind of establish that and then Flip it over once I do establish that. Um, so trying to like play, play with it in that way. Yeah.
1: Can I ask you a little bit more? Why did you feel the need to break that rule?
3: um I just think I mean that's 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 what that's what art does, right? Like that's what art is for. It's like. Um, just subverting and um questioning and challenging on every level our relationship to to these issues and to these to, um these modes of representation and communication. Um and it, it definitely wanted like yeah, just in support of, of the um, of the text as well, you know. Um I didn't wanna make it too di- um too challenging where it would go against the 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 text or go against being able to convey accurately convey what what the readers uh, what Stefan and um Lena were were saying um, but um and it's quite it was really tricky I think there was that was one of the difficult things is to like how much can i I was very conscious of how um yeah I guess it's accessibility or um, clarity, or how how um, yeah, just how much I can emphasize what they're saying, but embellish what they're saying, but not distract from it. I guess um, support it.
2: Yeah. There was um, another thing I'm thinking now about, kind of rule breaking or whatever. I I, I sort of one thing I did. Um, was interested in playing with a bit, and it was amazing to see joe 's uh piece, which kind of really foregrounds this is like the 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 sort of subjectivity of the of the of the translator or the subtitler you know um and I think with subtitles especially it's you know it, it's really interesting to try and get in that get in that gap you know so if you if you describe something you know like dark electronic music you know that's totally subjective um, and there might be some uh, rules, or as how to describe music, or whatever. It's just an example. But and I thought, I thought that was quite an interesting thing to maybe to maybe uh, push into or, or explore. You know, it, it, we we maybe we assume like a kind of neutrality um, on the part of the the subtitler. Certainly, the, you know, in the, in the translator. So you, you you know, subtitles is maybe a way. Uh, a format that you can really kind of play with that um um yeah to say that.
1: yeah I, I i couldn't have said it better for for anyone working in translation or translating uh we always face the challenge that most people see translation as very much a straightforward kind of dictionary exercise you go from one language to another easy peasy done and And it's not. And it's what Joe's film in the very beginning, where you give voice to translators saying that it's so much more than that, that it's actually a series of choices and choices that happen in context, in a special, in a particular time and space, like any other choice in human activity, like art, for example. So it is definitely something that it's worth discussing together with artists as well because it is a form of art in itself Um, and it brings me to my next uh, note that I would like to discuss with you perhaps this might seem more uh, towards Joe but it's not really so in Joe's film you can you see that translation in a very more blunt obvious way is trying to overcome a specific barrier, language barrier, and to bring your work of art to another audience that wouldn't have access to it if there weren't any subtitles. In David's case, it might seem that we wouldn't even need subtitles, but that's not necessarily the case, because as we've seen, it also offers extra information that is still it's still pushing the work of art towards an audience and a time That wouldn't necessarily have. In Joe's case, you actually, one of your characters or people talking, they actually mentioned Walter Benjamin's essay about how using translation actually extends the life of the work of art because it allows the work of art new audiences, new spaces, etc. And I would like to hear more. From you about that? Do you see translation as a way of extending the life of the work of art? Um, is that why one of the reasons why you're thinking so much about translation?
3: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I because I don't know. I mean, uh, so much of um, so much of. Um, I mean, so much of it is very personal for me, like growing up between two languages, between English and Arabic. Um, so it's important for me to be able to make my work accessible to both audiences, um, and um, and so often that's not the case. So much within within um, contemporary art is is. M- is monolinguistic, um, you know, um, and um, and it's very problematic uh, in a lot of ways. So um, that's always one one major kind of um, goal, something that I try and achieve and, and keep in mind um, with with all the works that I do is making it accessible in 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 so many different ways, um, and not just to within languages but also within kind of yeah audiences or demographics or um uh, on multiple levels i guess um and then also thinking about yeah just like um uh just thinking about like this language barrier extending the extending the life of an artwork i don't think it's I think that's one part of it, but also I really am interested in celebrating and trying to take advantage of how, not only extend, but um, how you can um, transform or um, bring out different aspects of a certain work within the language that only people from that language are able to experience as well, which I think is a really beautiful thing to try and achieve. Um, So there are things in, in, in Arabic that an English speaker wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to get and there are things in English that someone who doesn't speak English wouldn't be able to get and it's trying to kind of play between the two of them and that's something only you know I mean that's someone who's going to be able to get both of those references or both of those things it's a very specific and tiny audience but that still brings me a lot of joy and um, it comes from a very personal experience for me basically Thank you. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for the question.
1: Um, Will, I'm conscious of the time you gave us half an hour, but <laughs> <laughs> shit a Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I was yeah, I was thinking half an hour, and <laughs> um, yeah, I was imagining um, you know we would. Um, I was yeah. You were talking about such interesting things that I didn't want to uh, come in, or um, but yeah, I was thinking maybe um, we could go for another sort of what, 10 or 15 minutes, but um, that's that work for everybody. Yeah. Um, but also, I want us to um, uh, give uh, Joe and David a chance to ask you any. Sp- Specific questions, Sarah, as well, which um, which they may not have. But I thought that could be it could be interesting. I mean, I've, I've made lots and lots of notes, and there's so many interesting things that you talked about, and um, you know, particularly with within Joe's work, there's so many um, salient kind of quotes around, um, yeah, the role of the the translator um, and you know, for me, I, I was kind of interested in one that stuck out Was to me was silence is, is as important as words in the practice and study of translation and I was wondering, um, as a sort of, in a way, as a question to you, Sarah, what you, what you, um, what you thought of that as a statement, maybe as a way of... Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that.
1: I, I very much agree. Um, and you can think of silence in translation in different ways, very much in terms of the practice of translation, uh, because there's, as I said, translation is a choice, and very often you might just you you need to decide what exactly you're going to give priority to in terms of translation. It might not be possible to. Give access to all the different lines of meaning that are put forward by a specific language, a specific way of phrasing something, a specific scene in a film, etc. And you have to make a choice uh, because languages organize. It's not so much about what the resources of linguistic resources available, but it's also more about the world vision that languages put forward. And languages just organize the world in different ways and so there might not be a specific word to translate something and there's silence there or the silence might come because of the decisions that the translator and i don't mean and i mean silence on purpose not loss necessarily because what you silence here you might compensate later on for example or you might silence a specific line of meaning but you give more visibility to another so it's not necessarily gains and losses it's just that languages work differently and organize the world differently. But it's also silence can also be thought of in terms of translation in a very different way, if you look into what gets to be translated and what is not translated. Not so much within the same work of art, but what is the work of art that gets to be translated and the one that doesn't? What is the one that gets to be translated into 10, 20 languages and the one that is only translated into one language? And we were talking about translation as expanding the life of the work. And if something is translated into 50 languages, then that work of art is put forward to 50 different, many different audiences. So there are lots of silences in the world of translation that we can think of in many different ways, yes. And of course, it's always an issue of power as well. Um that comes along with those silences, who are we giving a voice to, and who are we silencing um,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did, did either of you have any any questions you'd like to ask
2: well, I wrote a few down, but I think we I think we actually kind of covered them um, I got this. A uh, purple notebook, which I, to, to match the purple in your video. I don't haven't quite. I don't think the shade's quite right, but it <laughs> looks good. Um, yeah, because I, you know, role of editing, um, which I was kind of interested in. I suppose that connects to silence a little bit. You know, I, I, it was something I noticed when I was editing mine, and then I, then I saw Joe's film. It's like this is being used really effectively. It's like when the, you know, the gap. You know, you, you know the silence of the sort of subtitle when it disappears, and the the, the kind of timing of that. Um, talked a bit about the subjectiveness um, of the sort of translator, subtitler. and yeah, uh, rules of subtitling? Question mark? Which, <laughs> which, which we uh, yeah touched on as well. So, um, no, my, my questions were, were answered during the course of the conversation.
1: But your last one is quite interesting, I think, still on point, because we mentioned before about the amount of variation that exists in terms of professional norms of subtitling. And I'm not sure how aware you are, but the yes, the professional norms vary immensely from country to country, sometimes between broadcasting companies within each country. But there's a whole movement of fan subbers online that started doing their own subtitles, normally of things that they love and they want to share with other audiences. And they felt that subtitling as professionally done was just not enough. And this started very much with Japanese anime and manga and and now manga is the phenomenon we, we have today, very much because of that work, that make manga much more accessible to a, um, a Western audience than it was just with professional subtitling. And that was actually one of the things that made me ask questions about, what are exactly the limits, how are how accessible are films with the current norms of subtitles? Um, and, of course, when we have artists like the two of you making use and challenging those limits, not only is fascinating to me, but it's quite helpful as well because you are showing that subtitling doesn't have to be limited to two lines at the bottom of the screen. It can be more. It can participate in the work of art. Um, it can. It doesn't have to be... With Will, before, we were talking about the issue of, and very often in the UK, subtitling is seen as a barrier, as something that people have to put up with, let's say, uh, endure, otherwise they can't see a foreign film. But it, it does happen that many people do not watch foreign films because of the subtitling. So your work kind of makes subtitling go beyond that idea of subtitling as a barrier and allows more to, for it to be more than what it is. So, thank you. <laughs> Good,
3: thanks. <Cool. laughs> thanks so much. That's, that's really
0: nice. Yeah. So, something else I, that I had uh, written down as you were all speaking was, um, and because you know, this, this is a kind of interdisciplinary kind of conversation in lots of ways. Um, at what point um, does this um, act of thinking about, yeah, translation from uh, uh, different modes, um, at what point does it move from being a kind of art-making, say, problem, to to, to a different type of discipline, um, which, uh, like, for example, graphic design, um, and um, translation studies, which um, yeah, I was kind of curious, and and also at what point within those disciplines does does a kind of text move from being a film to actually being a, better served as a book and things? I was kind of yeah curious about. Um, uh, I guess yeah, within your work, Joe, this the fact that, that what's what's voiced. Are, as far as I'm aware, were texts to begin with, so they've been kind of they're move, they're moving from being texts and being put into uh, this kind of um, you know the, the sort of temporal nature of, of film. Um, so yeah, I was kind of wondering about, and when we spoke before, previously, Sarah about uh, the idea of sort of footnotes and things like that. This seemed like. Um, things which are kind of optional, but also they're not, they're not like time-based, kind of. Um, oops, lost, lost David.
2: <laughs> I'm still here.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess it was about interdisciplinarity. Um, and I think I'd also mention to Sarah that, uh, you know, within sort of fine art teaching, um, to my knowledge, you know, people don't really get taught the Uh, much about graphic design. I often find that, not this isn't the case with with your work, but the the, the typography can be an area that's quite lacking in some artists' practice when they try to do it themselves. So, so yeah, I was curious about interdisciplinarity. Um,
2: I suppose... um... I suppose, yeah. I don't know. I suppose it's like that's kind of maybe one of the freedoms of kind of working in an interdisciplinary way. Like certainly, um, like in my in in my case, and um, maybe maybe Joe's as well. It's like we've kind of got the freedom to, you know, they can be they can be badly designed by some standard or well designed by some standard. It's kind of up it's kind of up to us because we're we're. We're not producing them in service of like tra- like translating um, a, a kind of pre-existing uh, work. So I guess yeah. I mean the idea of like you know having a kind of subtitle in practice where you, you, you subtitle um, others' works in a very creative way. Like I think that yeah. That I mean that's kind of really interesting. Um, I suppose I don't know. Yeah. Um, is that what you is that what you meant or
0: <laughs> it was it was yeah sorry um, it was I was very rambly so yeah absolutely um, i
1: I do see your point will and actually when i was uh, I think this happened more in David's case though that and I don't mean this as a criticism at all, but I was thinking other things that could have happened in the subtitling to either identify the characters or you use italic and and I was thinking other resources that could have been used in the sense from my perspective of how the subtitle could emphasize and make certain meanings very clear to an audience still thinking of an audience that couldn't receive the audio So, and in that case, I think what you were talking about of having an interdisciplinary team of knowing exactly how different fonts and colors and positioning the screen, it's extremely important and useful because we can very much run in the opposite direction of having too much text on screen or having text that is just not legible or text that is just shocking and completely uninteresting and just makes the viewers run the other direction which is not what we want etc so definitely we do need to learn a lot more from the different disciplines that have been thinking about these things for a a much longer um period than we have yeah
3: yeah for sure um and i also think uh if you want to think about um like well you 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 also mentioned like why why video and not a book, I think uh, is what you said, or like why um, like the translation from something that started out as a text into into video um, again, I think uh it comes back to to me to to kind of exploring the potential and um um, the potential for the medium itself of, of video um which is, it allows you to experience something very differently than um just reading reading a text one in the in the kind of temporal nature of it and like the fact that it, there's a um you know i mean it it's um it's time based so um what you're reading is constantly um, you don't have the privilege of going back, you know, of rewinding. But, I mean, you can rewind, but you don't have. The, it's not the same as a, as a as a text where you're reading and processing it in a very different way. And so, there's both limitations as well as um, uh, benefits to 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 both forms as well. Um, and I really wanted to explore, yeah, just kind of like when you're translating a written text into. Um, into this other format it was really important for me to bring in the the art the writers voices and to hear their own words uh, hear them saying their own words um, but also giving you the opportunity to read them as well on top of that Um, so yeah just kind of like trying to figure out that um, yeah that balance no
0: thank you and yeah a, a phrase again that came up in your something Joe that um really resonated, and made me think a lot was that this idea of that this uh, quote images slide over us. Um, uh, and yeah, I was thinking of that in relation to uh and I think it was followed by kind of another comment to do with the sort of pre- precision in writing. Um and yeah, I was kind of yeah, I was thinking over that images slide over us and how um, you can perform a similar, similar kind of analysis of images, but it does involve a kind of rewatching, which I think is um, I think is, is something that is interesting in this moment. And as, as David talked about, the, the possibility of works being available in a, a, a slightly different way, so that you can actually um, certainly rewatch. So. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah yeah no I I love that quote that's a quote from the images slide over us is from Stefan's text Um, and I really love how I just I don't know it makes makes me also think about the emotional aspect of experiencing something but allowing how much of that do you allow to process or how much of that are you allowed to process how much of that is um, again, kind of lost um within within the um, within that experience um so when an image yeah thinking of an image sliding over you it was just like, yeah, I just really love that metaphor and thinking about it in that way um is there any any other
0: points that people wanted to? because I don't want to yeah, keep people for, for, for too much longer and we've yeah, covered lots of ground, it's been really interesting. But.
1: I just have two little things. One, just about what you were saying, it's another way of how your works challenge the concept, the regular concept of subtitling is that you seem to assume a very active viewer a viewer that can pause and go back and forth and think about what they're reading and listening and the interaction between one and the other, um, while normally in subtitling we assume a very passive viewer. Uh, And things need to be easy to understand and very quick and, um, as I said, invisible. and that's very interesting. That subtitling can be part of that engagement uh, of the viewer with any work of art, a film, a piece of work, etc.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I guess it's like part of the um, part of the kind of texture of it as well, isn't it? So you know, I, I, maybe an analogy would be if you you know you're I don't know say if you're reading a, a particularly dense book and you you know you're not getting in an immediate like understanding in in a kind of um you know really uh sort of transactional sense like okay now i know what this means but you are getting you know you are getting a, a sense of a kind of of a of a of a quality a material a sensibility And i think and also you know it's especially in the case of like um a, a film like mine it's not that there's some overarching meaning there necessarily, anyway. Do you know what I mean? It's not as though it's it's a kind of puzzle to be solved. It's yeah. Um, so maybe maybe that's where that kind of approach kind of comes from, or, or the approach is kind of there anyway, and it was it's been extended into um, how you might deal with subtitles. Um, so yeah, the idea that there's too many subtitles, or they're going by too quickly, or they 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 kind of clash. That in itself. Um, kind of conveys something doesn't it Um, uh, but yeah
0: thank you all very much I don't want to keep uh, anyone uh, any longer but um, but yeah it's been really interesting and I think our our plan is now to um, retrieve audio from you (laughs) um, and then uh, bring it all together and um, I think yeah, make some edits to the, to the conversation but um, uh, I think I've yeah, covered some really interesting ground and uh, really appreciate your time so thank you very much Joe, thanks Sarah David, you're in the next room so I'll, go, I'll come and say
2: yeah thanks so much everyone really nice to meet yeah. you uh, thanks for
3: putting this together Well, and really nice to meet you uh, meet you guys, yeah. so happy to be a part of it
1: yes thank you very much for talking with me and for inviting me it was really interesting for me yeah and good luck with your films i i truly truly enjoy them and i've already made my entire family watch them so So you already you already have a small fan base in the middle of portugal
3: (laughs) amazing (laughs) that's sweet Uh, i hope we get a chance to meet
1: some point in yeah the, no English. I'll be yeah. in Leeds I'll be back in the UK tomorrow so I'm sure our paths will cross sometimes mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> oh, so cool
3: okay all right good thanks, thanks. 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 thank you Bye-bye. bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye.